Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I'm not excited to discuss uh, what was a Denver Nuggets loss on Saturday afternoon. I'm recording this on Sunday evening. You'll probably see this on Monday afternoon or Monday morning, Monday afternoon. So apologies for the delay if you are uh, hoping to watch this on YouTube. I'll try to go through the game in as efficient of a way as possible, make sure that I don't leave anything out. And also, uh, third segment, last segment, I'm going to be doing some uh, reaction to the overreaction, the tweets that I had put forth on Saturday, especially the one about Jokic for the MVP. I want to play factor crap with those tweets because I understand that a lot of people got very upset and I want to, I guess, hold myself accountable, hold the the takes accountable at this stage. I, I want to try to do that consistently and admit when I'm wrong or admit when I'm right. Uh, but for this one, at least in the first two segments, we are going to go over Denver's loss to the Philadelphia 76ers on Saturday, Nikola Jokic versus Joel Embiid, a big game during rivalry week. And this one did not end the way that Nuggets fans hoped. It began the way Nuggets fans hoped. I thought that this was a prototypical first half that the Nuggets were hoping for. You go up 73 to 58, don't do anything too crazy, let Embiid score one-on-one, but try to get some stops every now and then. And I thought Denver played it pretty well. I thought that they went up 73-58, winning by 15 points in that first half, but they ultimately lost the game 126-119 to in a game where, yes, Joel Embiid did dominate Nikola Jokic. And I don't want to sugarcoat that, and I didn't sugarcoat it on Saturday, which I think some people were pretty upset about, but I think that Nikola Jokic got flambéed in this game. I think that the first half was pretty even. I thought Jokic got the upper hand because the rest of his teammates really helped show up and hit the shots that he needed to hit, and Denver played the game extremely well as a team, and I thought that that was great. That was a great sign for where the Nuggets are at. They approached this game as a team really well, but then Embiid came back in the second half and I think scored about 28 points in that second half in 20 in 20 minutes or so. And all of those, pretty much all of them, were against Jokic, where it wasn't even really switches, it wasn't anything crazy. This was Embiid going directly at Jokic and trying to make up for all of the MVP stuff, trying to make up for all of that jazz. And I firmly believe that Jokic's two MVPs were deserved. Jokic deserved both of those. And it sucks that Embiid was playing as well as he was those seasons while Jokic was playing as well as he was during those last two seasons. And that Jokic deserved the MVP both times. But I'd be remiss if I didn't say the other way right now that, look, I think that Jokic has had a better season so far than Joel Embiid overall. But this game in particular makes it so. Jokic got thoroughly clocked in this one. And there were a lot of plays where Embiid just hit the step back jumper, drove right around him, got to his spots, got up his shots, made the team better. But there was a key moment in the at the beginning of the third quarter. Substitution, or not substitution, a change that Doc Rivers made 
where he took Embiid off of Jokic and had P.J. Tucker guard Jokic instead. And that was a big deal because I think it brought back memories of Derek Favors versus Ru- and Rudy Gobert. It brought back Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis, Al Horford, Grant Williams, and Robert Williams. Those guys where you have a thick physical defender bashing Jokic, doing everything that he can to get him frazzled, try to take Denver out of their motion offense, and Denver got disrupted, specifically Jokic. I don't think that Jokic handled this very well. And he had six turnovers in the second half, mostly because he was indecisive, not passing the ball to the right spots, and not making the right decisions at the right time. And that's tough. That's a tough thing for Nuggets fans to hear, especially because Jokic makes the decision, the correct decision, so often. It's abnormal for Jokic to play the way that he played, and I do think that it frazzled him. Do I think it'll frazzle him when it comes back around again? No. And do I think that it really mattered in the grand scheme of Jokic's ultimate stat line of like 24 points on 12 shots, 9 assists, 8 rebounds? No. Denver played, and Jokic played well enough in this game for the Nuggets to win. He was a minus one in this game. And the big issue was that in the the non-Jokic minutes, Denver couldn't really get it done. And we'll get to that in the second segment. But I think, in my mind, that Jokic and and the Nuggets in general are so used to him dominating those minutes that the Nuggets are at a point of extreme reliability with that, that when it doesn't happen, and it did not happen in the second half, the Nuggets had zero answers. That's a problem. All the momentum was with Philly, where P.J. Tucker's making hustle plays and beats shooting over and dunking around Jokic on the other end, and then you didn't get enough help for Jokic in the second half. So let's talk about the other guys now because we're kind of belaboring the point. Jokic had a bad overall game by his standards. If you look at it from the perspective of any other center in the NBA, outside of Jokic or Embiid, he had a pretty good game. But that was not what the standard was for this game on Saturday. And I think you're going to see a lot of that reflected in some of the MVP conversation over the course of these next few months. Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray in this game barely play, or barely sat in the second half. He looked very banged up at various points, but he did not play well when he was out there overall. Uh, first half, I thought he was fine. thought he was pretty good, actually. Five of nine from the field. I think he had three assists. In the second half, it says that he was two of seven on the, the actual chart. I don't remember that. I thought he just made, or I guess, okay, five of nine. Okay, so he was two of seven from the field in the second half. Did not make his teammates better in the second half. And I thought that the stint that really killed Denver was when Murray came back in at the end of the third and then start of the fourth. And Denver didn't play basketball the way that they needed to play. Part of that is on Murray. He's the guy who's dribbling a lot in that situation. He is the guy who needs to take control and put himself into a good position to take efficient shots and then make those efficient shots. Part of it is on Jokic, and we've gone over that for sure. I think that the P.J. Tucker part of this really flustered Jokic, and 
I think that the Matisse Tybel part of this really frustrated Murray. Matisse Tybel is a great defender. He was considered overrated heading into last year's playoffs, and he didn't have a good playoff run. But in general, I think that Matisse Tybel is a great defender, and his ability to athletically stick with Murray, get into passing lanes, disrupt him, get through screens, not necessarily in a physical way, but just like an athletic dynamic way. I think that disrupted Murray's timing and his uh, his overall balance and ability to get to the bucket. I think that we'll talk about this more in the second segment with the bench situation, but I do think that Murray has to start. He's got to really start taking over and be that second star. There are definitely moments where he does it, and perhaps he's just he was a little bit rusty having not played since Tuesday. Uh, but he looks tired. He just looks physically drained. And him playing 21 and a half minutes in the second half of the game probably didn't really help matters. He has to be able to find time to rest. The Nuggets have to find time to rest him the way that they're playing him. If Malone is going to play Murray 21 minutes, then he can't play him the last 15 minutes of the game. If you're going to do it, you got to split up that rest a little bit more evenly. And I think that Murray got tired out towards the end of this one and didn't play very well. Uh, there were some fine moments on defense. There were some okay moments on the offensive end. And in the first half, I thought he looked much better, looked much more dynamic and confident in himself and confident in his ability to get to his spots. I do think that he'll recover. He'll be better. But down the stretch of that game, with Jokic only getting up 12 shots and having seven turnovers, part of that is on Murray to take more shots, take more ownership of that situation, and take the playmaking aspect of it out of Jokic's hands at times. Where if Jokic isn't doing that well, if he isn't playing that well, just run some traditional stuff, and then Murray's got to get to his spots and be successful. Didn't happen, and that's fine. They'll be okay. Aaron Gordon, this was the key, I think, for the for the starters. And we'll go through this relatively quickly here. When they switched that matchup, it was only after Aaron Gordon had been playing really, really well. Jokic had been playing well. Gordon had been playing well. The Nuggets had been playing well as a team. They scored 73 points in the first half, scored 46 points in the second half. And the big reason for that was because Embiid was on Gordon. And Gordon was hanging out in the dunker spot for much of the time. Wasn't spacing out to the three-point line. So Joel Embiid, a massive, massive player, is right under the rim, doing everything that he can to be as disruptive as possible in his role as a roamer. And when you're in that situation as Joel Embiid, he has the ability to recover for the most part. And Aaron Gordon had some moments where he got up some shots. But he only attempted four shots, made three of them. That's great. But Gordon has to be, I think, a little bit more involved as a spacer when they're going to switch that matchup. Got to get out to the three-point line. Got to get out to the wing. Make it so that Embiid has to be as far away from Jokic and in help distance as possible. Because if that's the case, you're putting Embiid into, into situations where he's not that comfortable guarding on the perimeter. Because he's not. Like, face it. 
if he gets switched on to Murray, Porter, or KCP, he's probably not going to get all the way out there to contest those guys. If he's on Gordon, it's fine because he like Gordon isn't going to be just immediately catching and firing and in that situation where you feel super comfortable with it. But then you got to run some actions. You can't just stick Gordon in the short corner for that entire time. And I really do think it disrupted Denver. They did not know how to deal with it. And it's because the space was so congested. The offense slowed down. It was disrupted. That's too bad. Michael Porter, really good recovery. Like, let's, let's be honest. Let's, first things first with him. It was really good to see Michael Porter on the court. He's been dealing with tragedy, dealing with a horrible situation where uh, his brother, obviously, I know everybody's heard this story now, but his brother was in a crash at two o'clock in the morning around the DU area, and it, the crash killed the other driver. Uh, details still coming out about it, all of the situation, but Porter was away for, from the team for a week and recovered and was at practice on Friday and then played on Saturday. It's really good to see him out there, and I thought he played pretty well, for being honest. 20 points for Michael Porter, 5 of 9 from 3, 7 of 11 from the field in general. Hit a nice floater, I, I want to point out, but the most important thing is that he just spaced the floor so well, and it was so important for that spacing to be out there. Michael Porter was a plus 8 in this game. He led the team in plus minus in his 29 minutes. It wasn't perfect because James Harden was hunting him in pick and roll. He was trying to get Michael Porter switched onto him in every single possession. And there were a lot of times where Porter was just behind the play and James Harden couldn't really, like he had a pretty easy opportunity getting the ball to Joel Embiid for much of that game. Harden had 13 assists to zero turnovers. It wasn't a hard game for him. But that's fine, because if you're Denver, I think you've got to live with it, with Porter being plus eight, with him being very successful. And in the second half, because the first half, I think he had 12 points on four or five from three, pretty much. He was That was what he did. Second half, didn't stay as involved. Like got out in transition a little bit, had a nice floater off of some action, hit another three. But for the most part, that was it. And Denver... They don't go to him enough in situations where he's got it going, where the opposing team is going to sell out to try to stop him. I think they bailed the defense out with the way that they played. I think that trying to force feed Jokic, trying to uh, dribbling around with Murray a little bit, trying to create some area, trying to create some space, I do not think it led to good process for Denver. And good process often means Michael Porter's getting shots or a floor spacer in general is getting shots. And it didn't happen. And that's fine. Denver's going to learn from it. But more than anything, it was just good to see Porter back. Like, you know, the weaknesses with the defense, you know, the, like you got to understand that when teams involve Michael Porter and Nikola Jokic in the pick and roll, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really, really hard. But they can be better, and they will be better. That's a good thing, because they're pretty bad. And finally, in the starting lineup, KCP, really quickly, 
eight points, three of eight from the field, two of four from three. One of those threes came with about a minute 40 or so left in the game. It was just a very cold-blooded three. Murray passed the ball cross-court, waited for some action and some guys to kind of go by him, then found KCP on the opposite side of the floor with a really nice cross-court pass. And then KCP hit it. He just is very clutch in that situation. And Denver needed him to hit it. They needed that opportunity, and they got it. Uh, KCP, you have no issues with. Three steals. Played well. A good plus-minus. That plus five. I don't think it was him. I, I think that he was a spacer in this situation. Four assists, three steals is really good. And he hit the shots that he got. Uh, eight points on eight shots isn't the best efficiency, but not worried because he went two of four from three. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the bench lineup and something that continues to plague Denver at this stage. But first, everybody, this is brought to you by Superbook Sports. The final drive for championship is here. and There's no better place to wager on the football title tilt than Superbook Sports. Superbook features the best menu of prop bets in the business. Plus, check out their special odds boost at Superbook uh, and special odds boost and promotions at Superbook.com. With over three decades of odds-making experience in Las Vegas, there's no place better to wager than Superbook Sports. Win some money as one lucky team wins the championship. Download the Superbook Sports app today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back at Pick Axe and Roll. Back, pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's now go to the bench lineup as uh, Denver was pretty healthy for this game. I was pretty surprised to see that everybody played. There was a lot of questionable designations for the team, but it did seem like everybody got up for this game that everybody wanted to play, wanted to keep themselves ready for it. And it was good that Denver sat everybody on Wednesday even though they, they might actually might have been able to win on Wednesday. Uh, but neither here nor there. Denver's bench lineup in this game kind of went back to an old favorite. Bones Highland, Jamal Murray, Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, and Zeke Naji. Not surprised that this is the, the direction that they went. And it's kind of too bad. Like I think that Vlaco has earned his time. I think that Vlaco has been better than Jeff Green. I think that Denver needs something in that second unit. And we're going to get to that in just a little bit here. But it does sort of feel like the pecking order has been established, right? Bruce Brown's your sixth man. He's going to be that guy. Bones Highland is your seventh man. Jeff Green is your eighth man. And Zeke Naji is your ninth man. In terms of minutes, that's the most likely allocation that is going to happen. Maybe you could even go Jeff Green as your seventh man, because that first forward off the bench is often somebody that's going to play about 20 minutes a game. And Jeff Green played 19. He was bad, and he probably would have played more had he been better. But unfortunately, he was 
really bad. Uh, we'll get to that in just a bit, but my thinking with this bench unit at this stage, and we can go through the individual names, but the stat that I'm running across the screen right now for everybody watching on YouTube, I want everybody to pay attention to this. This is via cleaning the glass and their ability to factor out non-garbage time minutes. The Bones Highland, Jamal Murray, Bruce Brown trio in the minutes without Nikola Jokic, so your bench minutes, minus 20.6 net rating in 252 possessions, you have a 108.7 offensive rating and a 129.3 defensive rating. First of all, both of those numbers are horrible. Let's let's be clear. You want to be, I mean, well, the offensive rating isn't horrible. I don't want to I don't want to overstate that and be super dramatic. You want to be at about 112 to 115 if you can get there. That means that Denver can be passable, even if their defense isn't great. It, it won't kill them. But the problem that Denver has run into with this Jamal Murray stagger is that they are small, and they do not have the front court players to completely minimize those mistakes of being small, especially when Zeke Naji is a guy who's going to switch onto a lot of people. If you had a drop coverage center, if you had somebody that really protected the rim, uh, it might be a little bit different where you could get away with guys who are a little bit smaller as long as they fought, as long as they made sure to get over screens and contest from behind and get their hands in passing lanes and things like that. The problem with switching is that you're always putting yourself into a situation where those guys get put onto bigs and then their offensive rebounding or they're getting dump offs down into the lane and it's just very hard for small players to guard big. Uh, Jamal Murray does his best. Bruce Brown occasionally does some stuff. Bones is pretty much dead on arrival when you're talking about guarding bigger guys. But in order to make it work, you have to have two players that are going to be elite switch defenders and can cover a lot of ground. I think that Zeke actually represents one of those guys. Jeff Green, though, not going to happen. It's just not going to be a thing. And so you go through it, and there are other configurations with this group that are a little bit better. But going back to that game specifically, uh, we'll start with Bones Highland here. 21 minutes, 11 points, 4 of 10 from the field. He was a minus 11 in this game. But I thought his process was pretty good, in at least in the first half. I really did appreciate the way that he approached the game. He wasn't forcing anything, but he was being decisive and attacking in the minutes and in the opportunities where he got it. He didn't settle for threes. He got to the rim. He put pressure on the opposing team, and he got his hands into passing lanes and really was disruptive defensively. That's what you want to see. You want to see him going all out, putting himself into a position where People are being like they're they're having to respect him and they're taking pressure off of Jamal Murray as a result. That's what you're hoping for in that situation. Second half didn't go as well. Missed some shots, missed the threes that he was hoping to hit. Went one of six from three overall. That's too bad. Uh, Denver could have really used some of those other threes. But it's not something that I'm going to berate him over because look, he's been shooting really well for the entire season. Hasn't shot well from the perimeter lately, but 
That is what it is. It's the other stuff that you're worried about with him. And he did it this time. Like, he did pretty well. I thought his defense was fine. thought it was pretty reasonable, for being honest. And I don't think that he was the guy that you can really look at tonight and say, okay. Or this was on Saturday night, excuse me. He wasn't the guy that you can really blame in this one. Could you have asked for more? Yes. Is it really reasonable? No. So I'm not gonna like not gonna berate this point. I thought that Murray, we'll go back to Murray here real quick. I thought that he was a guy who could have taken over and, and played that role a little bit better with the bench. There were some some moments in the first half that he did it fine. And then there were some moments in the second half where he did not. And the bench had their opportunities. First four minutes of the fourth quarter without either Jokic or Embiid on the floor. Both of those guys, I think they went the distance in that third quarter. So in the fourth quarter, you're facing off against James Harden. Harden's doing his thing. Uh, I think that Tobias Harris got to got to his spots. Georges Niang hit shots. Tyrese Maxey, he was a plus 14 in this game. Tyrese Maxey was. And that's where you're looking for in this case where somebody like him to really put pressure on the rim, to put yourself into situations where those shots are killer. And Denver just didn't have enough of that in the second half between Bones, between Murray. That's fine. Like, they will be better, like, offensively going forward. Offense also wasn't really the thing that lost Denver this game. They gave up 126. So, actually, that's not true. Offense with Joker going up against P.J. Tucker was probably the biggest thing. But next biggest thing, I, I don't think that Murray approached it that great with either the starters or the bench in the second half. Some of it, my brother let me know about this. He got bumped several times. When he went down, I saw him, the elbow that he was holding and rubbing at various points, he was holding his uh, hip. He got bumped in his knee. Like, I'm not going to be like the ultimate Jamal Murray defend his honor kind of thing. He was hurt. He was injured. Uh, everybody gets hurt. Everybody gets injured. It's not an excuse. It did happen. But, like, everybody's got to fight through it. It's just too bad that it happened to Jamal. Bruce Brown? <sighs> Bruce Brown wasn't good. Um, he had some really bad moments where he's been really bad contesting threes this year, I think. Had a blocked shot on the perimeter, which was nice. But he contested a Tyrese Maxey three that dropped and then committed a flagrant foul by getting under him. And then right at the end of the third quarter, he fouls Joel Embiid like three-quarter court away from the basket and gives him three free throws as a result that he makes. Denver loses this game by seven. Uh, That's a big difference. It really is. Like You can't have plays like that. It can't just be – it's one of those things where if you do that in a two-point game and then lose – People, that's the only thing people are going to talk about. Because it was such a visceral fourth quarter bash from Joel Embiid, it wasn't as big of a deal. But like, if this game did come down to it, that would have been horrible. And I honestly just think that Bruce has not been as good of a defender this year as the Nuggets were hoping for. I don't know what they were expecting. 
I don't know whether they were hoping he could be their stopper. He could be somebody that contests everything. He has good moments at times. He did block the three on the perimeter, but I don't think he really disrupted Harden or Maxi the way that the Nuggets were hoping that he would. And when he gets switched on to somebody bigger, he is also toast, whether it's Tobias Harris or Georges Niang or somebody akin to that. If he gets switched onto those guys, it's, it's an issue. So it is what it is. Like Bruce Brown is somebody that the Nuggets trust and they need him to be good. But I also don't know how better he's been than Christian Brown. And that's a problem. Like You want that to be pretty definitive here. I think that both of those guys should play. And Bruce Brown is the vet. He's the guy that you brought in. He's a very valuable, versatile piece. I'm not denying that. There are things that he does that kind of bother me. The floater has not worked. And it's still something that Denver's got to figure out. Jeff Green. um, Not putting up a lot of stats for Jeff Green in this one. 19 minutes, one rebound. Minus 12. Look, Jeff Green doesn't do a lot of guarding on the perimeter. Like He's a he's a floater, a roamer for the most part. He's covering up for a lot of other people's mistakes. He had a couple of good closeouts on Niang. Uh, Niang did make his threes for the most part when he wasn't closed out. but And there were some closeouts that Jeff Green had that were slow, where Niang then gets the three that he wants. And it's curtains at that point. So... Jeff's got to be better defensively. Like, there's no other way around this. He is the mark in a lot of these cases. It is Bones and it is Jeff. Some will criticize Murray. I don't think of it that way. Some will criticize Bruce Brown. I don't think of it that way. And I think Zeke Najee is also very good himself. Jeff Green is the guy that's got to step up defensively. Like, it just has to happen if he's going to be in the rotation and the Nuggets are going to win a title. He can't be too slow on this draw. He plays at one speed. It's a very consistent speed. He's not going to get sped up. He's also not going to speed up if you need him to. And I keep thinking about trades for Denver because of things like this, because I don't know what they're going to get from Jeff Green on a nightly basis. They're going to get a couple screens here. They're going to get a couple of rolls to the basket. And he had a nice finish in the lane on a switch over somebody smaller. But it isn't like, that's not enough. They have to have better defense on 100% of the possessions. And Jeff is a good communicator. He's somebody who helps people get to the right spots. But if he's not getting to the right spots himself, committing fouls, uh, not necessarily playing the good switchable defense that you need him to, then that is a weakness. And Denver can't have any weaknesses heading into this playoff run that they're going to have. With the trade deadline coming right around the corner, it would not surprise me if the rotation looks different. And Denver's probably got to figure that out because I don't feel confident in the bench. I don't. And finally, Zeke Naji. Uh, 10 minutes. Jokic played 38 in this one, so Zeke played the other 10 minutes. In the first grouping of minutes, I think his first six minutes or so, Najee played all of those against Joel Embiid. They flipped Embiid's rotation in the first half, put it back to normal in the second. 
his rotation in the first half, Najee was only a minus three. Minus six overall in the game, but minus three in those six minutes going up against Joel Embiid. And it's not like Embiid didn't cook in that situation. Like he he had some really good moments and Najee didn't really have any answers. Like when you get that close to the basket, it's really hard for Najee to guard. He also struggled to box him out, I think. Embiid had a whole bunch of rebounds, not just with uh not just with Jokic on the court, but with Najee on the court. He, he had six offensive rebounds in total, Embiid did. Um and I just think that's that's gonna be a weakness when you play a switching center like Zeke Najee. The problem is you can't play DeAndre Jordan against Joel Embiid, or else he's gonna cook him both in space and on the move. Like that's just not gonna happen. So I thought that Najee played him reasonably well, and the minutes where he played Montrez Harrell, Harrell wasn't great either. So Zeke was a minus six. He hit a three. He had a steal and a block. He had two rebounds. I'm not pointing this at Zeke. I think that he was fine. I think that this is a tough matchup for him. But he's not the guy that I'm looking at in this situation thinking he has to be better. I think Jeff's got to be better. I think Bones has to be better. I think Bruce Brown has to be better. Those guys did not have as difficult of matchups. Murray was being hounded by Matisse Thybul the entire time. Uh, Or DeAnthony Melton the entire time. And Bones has to find his own opportunities in that case. Bruce Brown, same thing. Jeff Green, same thing. Those guys just got to be better and bolster, do something. And it, it wasn't enough in this last matchup. And maybe in the next matchup, it'll be better. But I know that that's what they're talking about. There's some. There's got to be some conversation about improving the bench and what that looks like going forward. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to play Factor Crap with Ryan's reactionary tweets. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's, Let's wrap up this pod by talking about... Factor crap tweets. Um, obviously, in the game, in the moment, I feel like I'm a pretty reactionary person. I also feel like I'm a pretty self-effacing person and am willing to make fun of myself in situations where you get a little bit caught up in the moment. You get a little bit emotional. And I would like to revisit some of those moments where you just take... A, I'm just going to look at three separate tweets and we are going to play factor crap and you guys can play along at home or in the comments section on YouTube. I'll be taking a look, but let's go with now tweet number one. Embiid was a million times better than Joker today when it mattered. And that matters. It's a January game, but that's going to demolish the three-peat chances. A lot of people did not like this tweet. I'm going to be honest. This was a, this was pretty funny. Also pretty frustrating. I should have muted this con- this tweet when uh, when I saw the initial brushback. But look, this was crap. This is crap. And I will defend myself here right now. But I think that there is the there are these visceral moments that MVP voters are going to remember when you think about the season, when you think about the seasons of these individual players. And one of the things that really stands out 
is the matchups between the players, where you see on a very even stage in general what happened, who performed better than who, how did the game go, what did you feel during that situation. And I think a lot of people in the first half of that game felt that Jokic had outplayed Embiid, and that was good. In the second half, Embiid scored 28 points and Jokic scored, what, six? Eight? Yeah, eight. He had eight points and six turnovers in the second half. And he played 38 minutes. It's not like he didn't play a lot. He played 20 of the 24 minutes in the second half Jokic did. So I think it's a visceral moment that people are going to remember in all of this. However, it is crap because as many, many people tried to remind me over Twitter, it is one game. It's one game out of 82. It is a January 28th game that people are going to remember, but they're also going to remember that it was just one game. And Jokic does have an opportunity in March to really pay back this matchup where Embiid comes to Denver late March, right when people are starting to remember MVP voting. And if he dominates in that matchup, outplays Embiid and Denver outplays Philly, I will quote tweet this and say the same exact thing, but just reverse it. It's going to be hilarious. Um, I will do that. And everybody should hold me to that. That's definitely something that should happen if that happens. But you are right. It is crap in general. And Nuggets fans, I understand. And I apologize. It wasn't, uh, wasn't my brightest moment, which is why I'm being self-effacing here. I do think that a lot of people are going to try to remember that game, but Jokic does have an opportunity for the rest of the season to kind of put that in the rear view, continue dominating. And then the next time these two come up against each other, it can't be the same outcome because if it's the same outcome, then that is really bad. Uh, if it's not the same outcome and it's flipped, then maybe that's a little bit different. And maybe this particular game doesn't matter as much. So let's go now to tweet number two. Quote, since returning, Jeff Green is playing himself out of the rotation. Let's look up, before I do this, I want to look up Jeff Green's numbers since returning from the hand injury. Hasn't played a ton of games, so I don't want to like, don't want to belabor this point, I think. He's only played five games since returning. In those five games, the Nuggets are minus 17 in five games. Uh, Jeff Green himself is 46.7% from the field, 308 from three. Hasn't recorded a block yet. Has recorded two rebounds per game despite the fact that he's averaging 20.5 minutes per game. In general, it's fine as like a ninth man. It's not the worst thing in the world. So I may have to call crap on this too, because you just look at the numbers and you look at the outcomes and you think, okay, it's not really the worst. Like, Did Denver play the strongest competition during those first three, first three games? No. And that, that's a big point in this. Did they play stronger competition in those next two and then Denver lost those games with Jeff Green playing a major role? Yeah, that's that's true. That happened. I think he's got to be better. I think he's got to be more productive. He can't just be putting up 
zeros, ones, and twos in many of these categories. He's got to be putting up more. And it's not points. Like, I, I really, like, I want to see him grabbing more steals and blocks. I want to see him get a block. I think that's, it's not a crazy thing. I think his foul trouble in general only had one in this last game, two the game before, two the game before. But first game back, he had five fouls. Second game back, he had four fouls. He probably just needs to be better in general. And in like in, on top of that, Denver can't have two bigs where they're both kind of complementary bigs and just trying to do the dirty work. They need to have somebody who's involved. And so that's where the scoring does come in. It's where the playmaking does come in. He's got to be able to make decisions, or somebody does, where when Joker goes out of the game, you need somebody who can be a fulcrum. You need somebody who can do some of those things. Maybe not all of them, but just like made a, make a pass out of the pick and roll or, uh, I don't know, post up. Like that, would, that would be good. So there's, there's a lot of opportunities there for Jeff to be better, and Jeff does need to be better for sure. Tweet number three, quote, probably the most important thing for the Nuggets that came from this game is not the Joker versus Embiid matchup. It's the bench. It's always the bench. Uh, It is always the bench. I went back and looked at this number. In the Nuggets, 24 road games that they've played so far this season, they've won the minutes with the bench six total times. Six times is not good enough. It's not a great sign that it's only been six times. They've lost those minutes 16 times, and they've tied twice. So they've only lost those minutes two-thirds of the time. And that's probably a better way to frame it in general. When you keep it even or you win, that's good enough most of the time. When you are in a situation where... I don't know. It just always feels like the starters have to be great. That's a, that's at the stage where I'm at. And they do. Like that's that's a thing, but Denver with the stagger that they have, they're always playing one of their best players in Jamal Murray with the bench. There is never ever a moment where they are not with Jokic or Murray. And to me, I think that eliminates the plus minus argument. You should be better in that situation. Denver should be better. Bruce Brown was signed on to be one of the strongest six-man candidates. And I cape for him as a better six-man option than somebody like Russell Westbrook. And I think that that's true. But in order to be like that, got to be more potent, got to be more consistent, got to be better defensively. And Denver is a bench in, in general. They just don't have a lot of potency right now. There's not enough point production. There's not enough defensive production. The highlight plays have kind of gone out the window. And I think if you're Denver, you've got to get some oomph, some juice, whatever it is, back into the bench lineup because it's not there. It's just not. And a lot of that was Bones Highland playing the way the Bones plays and then setting up for... Uh, setting up other guys to be successful too. That, that happened a lot during his rookie year, and that was one of the biggest reasons why the bench turned around. Also, DeMarcus Cousins and having a fulcrum like a Jokic who could 
operate in a certain way and then help make the make life easier for several different players at the same time. That was good. Denver doesn't have that. Zeke Nagy's never going to be that, I don't think. And if I am Denver, I am trying to think of the rest of the rotation, the rest of the lineup, think, okay, how do we get better here? What's the goal? How do we improve? I think it might be adding another 6'8 dude and just playing Jamal, Bruce Brown, 6'8 dude, and Zeke Naji. And you play those guys a lot of minutes. Maybe it's Christian Brown too. But in general, the Nuggets just need somebody else who's long, athletic, and a highlight machine. Because it's those moments that like, maybe the highlights aren't necessarily the most important thing, but you want somebody who can change the flow of the game with their play. And I don't think Denver has anybody like that. Like, I'm just looking at the rest of their bench right now. Christian Brown could be that guy. Christian Brown's a candidate. Davon Reed is not. Ish Smith is not really. DeAndre Jordan is not. Vlako Chanchar is not. Those guys are not really change the flow of the game kind of guys. Except for Christian Brown. Probably got to play, if we're being honest. Finding minutes for Christian Brown has to be a consistent thing now. He's been playing well every every opportunity he's gotten. I think he's played better than Bruce Brown in a lot of these minutes. He's definitely played better than Bones in a lot of these minutes. So Denver needs that juice. They need somebody who's going to provide a little bit of oomph. I think that he can do that. It's hard to describe what exactly that is, but what I do know is that Denver doesn't have it right now. With that group that was out there, it's not going to be there. Unless Jamal and Bones just get hot, just get just go back and forth pick and roll style. But in, in general, I just don't know how often they're going to be able to get to those mechanisms with the way that they play. It's just not going to happen. So they've got to learn. They've got to figure some things out. I think this is fact. I think if we're, if we're playing the fact or crap game, first two tweets are probably crap. Last tweet's probably fact. Like, Denver is not going to win a title if the bench is like this. Simple. It's a simple reality. They can play better. Like, they don't necessarily have to play this group. They can flip things around a little bit. Maybe Aaron Gordon or Michael Porter staggers with the bench a little bit more. 29 minutes each for Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter, probably not enough. Those guys have to be upwards of 30 in this case. Play fewer minutes with Jeff Green. Play more minutes with Michael Porter or Aaron Gordon. Maybe play some Christian Brown. Reduce the minutes with Bones Highland or Bruce Brown. There's ways that they can do this. And I... Don't know if they're going to have to trade in order to get it done. I think the easiest way to get it done is to take some of these decisions away from Michael Malone, who wants to play Jeff Green. He wants to stick with Bones Highland. Those are guys that he wants to play with. And it might not be great. might not be the right call. We'll see. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of Pick Axe and Roll, everybody. Brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. My apologies for it being late. Uh, knew I needed to take 24 hours or so. 
in order to get the mind right for this particular show. I will be back tomorrow night, I think, following the Nuggets practice. They'll be practicing on Monday. I'll probably have some reaction to that. Should be pretty good. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, talk to you guys very soon.